You are walking through the deep, dark woods. You have been treading on the forest floor for days, weeks, maybe months. You don't really know anymore. This space devours time. You lay your weary form to rest beneath an ancient tree, and, lost in momentary reverie, you hear a sound, or not quite a sound, something that seems to have the properties of little sparkling lights. You get up and follow the sound. Now your step seems guided and reinvigorated with purpose. Wondrously, you reach a clearing. There you are greeted by the sight of a tower crowned by the full moon. Atop the tower, splitting the lunar light, a cloaked silhouette raises a wand to the sky and the moon shines golden. Welcome, disciple. Welcome to the realm of the wizard in the ivory tower. A fellow Magus once told me, if there is no God, is everything we're doing pointless? I responded, God or not, the universe is still phenomenological. Greetings, friends. Today I'm going to talk to you about magic. Uh, maybe this should have been an episode much later on in the podcast, but you know, since we are in the spirit of the season of the incarnation of the Logos, maybe this is actually fitting. So this is not going to be um, a how-to guide or uh, a discussion on application, really. Um, I want to dive into the uh, psycho-ontological functionality of magic. I want to do an, uh, a philosophical exploration uh, of the concept of magic, uh, dive deep into its structures, at least as a concept. So the frame I want you to have for this discussion is what I mentioned in the beginning, this concept of the phenomenological universe. There's this idea that is central in phenomenology. It depends on who you ask, but let's just go with it. This idea that meaning arises through the attention of consciousness. Uh, Jordan Peterson takes this a little bit further into the ontological and says that, um, according to phenomenology, a being or existence is the result of potential being met by consciousness. So you have these two elements, uh, potential and consciousness, and potential, the universe is basically potential, and um, consciousness draws out structures from it, uh, simply by perceiving it. And it is, it is in this spirit that magic essentially finds its uh, prime concept, let's say. It turns this drawing out, of, drawing out of potential structures from a passive act into an active act. To see the potential of this concept of the phenomenological universe, 
I'm going to mention something to you that I'm not really going to connect to things, although it could have very interesting um, connect, theoretical connections with various uh, elements of magic. But just to give you a, a, a scope and scale of uh, phenomenological thinking, um, uh, there's something I really like from the phenomenologist uh, Maurice Merleau-Ponty, uh, who said that the work of art is not an object. It is a quasi-subject. It takes a life of its own, you know, and when uh, the, the viewer beholds the work of art, it is like a meeting of subjects, almost. So, in this concept of the phenomenological universe, we have a very anthropocentric, or better, consciousness-centric existence. Consciousness is at the heart of things. It is the axis uh, around which potential is formed in many ways. And as I said, magic turns that active. If consciousness is central to existence, and if uh, existence is the result of consciousness beholding potential, then it is fair to say that experience is central to existence. In this way, magic is intentional experience. An intentional placing of your conscious attention within being, within potential. In that way, magic is essentially conscious or intentional phenomenology. I know all these things might seem a little bit disjointed right now, but everything will fall into place, I hope. For now, keep this in mind, as we're going to now get into the ontological and explore idealism and the concept of metaphor. For this part, I want to take you a little bit through my master's thesis which was about metaphysics and metaphor. I started by exploring the concept of metaphor through the Russian formalists and specifically Jakobson. And I'm not going to go too much into that because that might be a whole different subject. But what I arrived at, uh, I arrived at a definition of metaphor that is uh, beyond language. And I defined metaphor as a connection between different categories, essentially. It's a bit more complicated than that, but essentially is that. It's, it's that. And you can easily understand that through um, metaphor in language, for example, because essentially, let's think of uh, an, an example of metaphor. Let's say, um, you know, uh, the waves of my depression uh, broke up uh, upon my uh, the shore of my consci consciousness or something like that. You know, what you're doing there is taking um, uh, the concept of the wave and the concept of depression, which belong to different categories. The wave is a, is a 
as a phenomenon uh, connected to uh, water and uh, depression is something you know in the realms of the psyche and you're combining these two so you're making this connection between different categories and i found that you can that this can apply to many things beyond language and thought so through this definition of metaphor i explored various ontological models uh, Plato's ontological model, Plotinus, uh, Barclay, and also Spinoza through the pantheistic paradox, but I'm not going to go into Spinoza now. And essentially, I examined how different levels of being are metaphorically connected in these ontological models. <clears throat> so in Plato, essentially, you have the world of ideas and the world of experience, um, the transcendent and the empirical. And the empirical, the world of experience, is, um, let's say, a lesser manifestation of uh, the world of ideas, of the transcendent. Now, Plotinus takes this idea and goes further with it. He says that Plato is basically correct, but there is something even beyond the world of ideas, and that is the one, which is the entirety of existence in a completely transcendent state of utter simplicity. And Plotinus essentially works around this concept of the chain of being, the ontological chain, uh, where you have the concept of emanation, where the higher levels of being uh, emanate the, and man manifest themselves um, as and in lower um, levels of being. So at the top you have the one the entirety of existence in complete transcendent simplicity. Uh, Plotinus thought that Plato had a, a, an intuition about this with his idea of the good, but never really arrived there. Then, after the one, you have the nous, the mind. And this, uh, according to Plotinus, is equivalent to the world of ideas. It's the level of being where you have pure transcendent structures. Uh, then you have the level of the soul. And in many ways, I would say that this is where we find the concept of consciousness. And the last level is the material world, which the soul or consciousness, uh, if we're going with this analysis, um, inhabits and shapes. Shapes, remember this. There's also another interesting concept um, about Plotinus where we have uh, the functionality of metaphor in its uh, uh, linguistic concept. Um, Plotinus thought that the one, so the, uh, the completely transcendent state of existence, uh, is utterly un, uh, unknowable and unthinkable. Not, not unknowable, but unthinkable and ineffable. And you can never really absolutely uh, speak about the, the one, except you can get close to it with poetic language, essentially with metaphorical language and metaphorical thought. Now, something very interesting about the school of philosophy that uh, began with Plotinus, the Neoplatonists. Uh, the later Neoplatonists, had this concept of theurgy. 
which was essentially a magical system of rituals uh, that had the intention of climbing the ontological chain and uh, helping consciousness reach the world of ideas. So with um, the Neoplatonists, we have uh, this this concept of uh, a metaphorical ascension of the ontological chain. And the way this can manifest in a magical concept is essentially a form of fiddling with the ontological chain. Uh, it's therefore not strange at all that uh, Neoplatonism uh, strongly influenced the uh, religious and also magical traditions of the imperial era. Um, you'll essentially, it was like the, later on it was the the philosophical response to Christianity in a way, although there are also Christian Neoplatonists. But it was central to what uh, became essentially imperial paganism and everything that was around it, the mystery cults, the uh, magical systems that arose. And this concept of different levels and the connection between different levels is very strong. For example, I remember I was, uh, when I was majoring in uh, classical philology, uh, I did some work on the Greek magical papyri, which are uh, Greek uh, texts from the Hellenistic and Imperial era that are essentially uh, spells, magical rituals, uh, all sort of magical um, uh, texts, essentially. And there is this concept of the parhadros, and that is the uh, essentially a spirit that the the magician binds to himself, uh, so that that spirit can aid him in magical practice. But uh, this acquisition of a parhadros also has an initiatory uh, element to it. There are some. Uh, rituals where the acquisition of the paradros functions as the initiation to become a magician. But more importantly, there is one very interesting uh, segment in the Greek magical papyri uh, where it is the, um, the writer explores what the, the acquisition of the paradros can give you. And um, the first part of the passage is all about material wealth. Uh, it's like the paradise will, will bring you treasure, food, women, whatever. Uh, then it also goes into how the paradise will aid you in magical practice. But the most interesting part is the last part, where the paradise has initiated your soul essentially into a different ontological state. And it, it says there that when you die, the paradros will prepare your funeral. And since you have been bonded to the paradros and have um, gained a connection with an, uh, an aerial spirit, as it says, you will, after death, you will not go um, to, to the underworld, but you will become a spirit like the paradros, you know, in, in the heavens, in the ethereal plane. And how this connects to Neoplatonism. Well, it's this idea of different levels of being. And also, uh, the higher you go, the quality goes up, essentially, the ontological quality. 
And there's this concept that um, by ascending, somehow gaining something from an upper ontological level, this has ultimately changed you. So this is similar in some ways to theurgy, where um, ritual is used to reach higher levels of being. So, as I said before, in this whole concept of uh, Neoplatonism, magic can be seen as a metaphorical fiddling with the ontological chain. Um, you go into an ecstatic state. This is important as well, because for Plato, reaching the world of ideas happens through pure reason, through rationalism. Plotinus said that this is a necessary step, <clears throat> but it is not enough. And he introduced the idea of transcendent empiricism, essentially, where through reason you reach a higher state of being, you're beyond the simple empirical experience, and now you go into a new form of empiricism, of experience, of perception that is utterly transcendental. So this is why <clears throat> the concept of the ecstatic is important in ritual, uh, not only in magical ritual, but this is uh, what we're examining here. And essentially, what I said, this metaphorical fiddling with the ontological chain, it is the concept that through, through ritual, you tap into higher or at least different levels of being or deeper levels of being. And there you can kind of, let's say, pull at the strings of being, reorganize the structures of being to uh, gain an effect in the world of the empirical, in the world of experience. Now, let's go into a, a later iteration of idealism with uh, Barclay. Barclay is known for his uh, immaterialism. Uh, essentially, Barclay thought that he didn't deny the existence of objects, but he rejected the concept of uh, matter as ontological substance, essentially. And essentially, he saw the entirety of existence as a mind network between the finite minds of men and the infinite mind of God. So the entirety of existence is essentially a metaphorical communion between man and God. And everything that is, is just information uh, communicated between minds. Um, he has also some very interesting uh, ideas uh, in his uh, theological writings, uh, such as the idea that vision is the language with which God speaks to man. Um, so we can see here the, um, the echo of transcendental empiricism and the evolution from rationalism to transcendental empiricism in uh, idealist and especially platonic and neoplatonic thought. So in this concept where we have the entirety of existence being communication, essentially, a network between the finite minds and the infinite mind. Here magic can, here magic can be seen as 
conscious metaphorical interaction with the cosmic algorithm. Conscious because, as we said in the first part, we're placing importance into the idea of intentional or conscious phenomenology. Magic as intentional experience. Intentional uh, and focused and specific attention by consciousness onto potential. And this intentionality is what, in this idea of magical thinking, can shape potential in a specific way. All of this <clears throat> comes very well together in the concept of, let's say, the epistemology of metaphor. Uh, something that we need to understand is that essentially, when you go to brass tacks, you know, all of human perception is essentially metaphor with various levels of functionality. So uh, the same goes uh, for science, you know, for scientific theories. Scientific theories are uh, more or less functioning metaphors. Our perception and our uh, rational thinking are by default limited to our perceptual and mental mechanism. Therefore, everything that we perceive and understand is a metaphorical translation of um, outside stimuli uh, projected onto our perceptual and um, uh, rational mechanism, essentially, and computing mechanism. So, under this, uh, under this prism, all of human perception is metaphor with various levels of functionality. Various levels because something can um, function better or worse, you know. Uh, in, 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 let's say, pre-science times, um, you can, you know, if you look at it in a very simplistic way, you can say that then they were wrong and now with science we are right. But it's not exactly like that. Because if they were completely wrong, they wouldn't have been able to get anything done. The pre-scientific metaphor, metaphors rather, of humanity were still functional, just less functional and in some ways differently functional. Uh, than our current metaphors, but still functional. Uh, and that's why they were able to go about their lives and uh, do things and create things and understand the world in a way that was useful. Um, you know, it's we, we can go here into Jordan Peterson's idea of uh, levels of analysis, you know. And... Um, my codification of uh, Petersonian epistemology, let's say, is is bound uh, is uh, revolves around three three basic, let's say, axioms. The first axiom being that, um, as I said in the beginning, being or existence is the result of potential being met by consciousness. The second axiom is that. Uh, what is re what is real uh, is something that functions at least on one level of analysis, and what functions on multiple levels of analysis tends toward truth. 
And the more levels of analysis it functions on, the more it tends toward truth. And in this concept, the epistemology of metaphor, I think, uh, the way I have put it, uh, is very fitting. And functionality being the criterion of uh, realness and uh, truth. And it is based on this, this epistemological point of view that uh, magic builds itself as a system, not necessarily consciously uh, by those who practice it or theoretically examine it, but in a much more visceral way. Because essentially mythological thinking which is essentially metaphorical thinking, is the prime, the most primal version of human epistemology. Magic consciously plays with the epistemology of metaphor. And now that we've gone into the human perceptual mechanism, it is only fitting that we'll now discuss, let's say, the psychology of it all. At the very fundament of it all, all magic is at its base a psychological journey. Because the psyche is a conduit to being. The psyche is the temple wherein conceptual and aesthetical metaphors facilitate communion with the mechanism of being, the intrinsic, basic, primal structures of being. And within this psychological journey, this traversing of your psychogeography, the archetypes that reside not only within you, but within maybe consciousness, all of consciousness itself, much less the collective consciousness of your uh, group or civilization or species, these archetypes reveal themselves as manifestations of cosmic structures, ontological structures. And here we go back to idealism and the world of ideas and their manifestations as the world of experience, the empirical world. Magic is the attempt at intentional synchronicity between psyche and being. An intentional synchronicity between the archetypes that you, let's say, play around, fiddle around within you, and the ontological structures, the base structures, the primal structures of being. It is an attempt to manifest the psychological as ontological. And there is a direct link there between consciousness and existence, and that link is metaphor. And essentially, all magic is metaphor. Metaphor is very much at the heart of it all. Guys, I know this episode is, first of all, shorter than the others, and... um, also much less rambly, much more organized. My notes are actually longer than the notes I had for other episodes, but 
I didn't I didn't really go into you know getting inspired by every specific instance and then go uh, on a rant. Um, and ideally, that's what a podcast should be, you know, like a, a stream of consciousness. But in in the case of magic, you know, in the case of magic, whatever you, how however deep you dig and how however meticulously you try to construct your view of it, there is always something left out. And maybe it's best to just go into um, a form of minimalist description of it and intentionally leave a lot of mystery behind. Because in that way, you, you don't restrict magic by trying to understand it. Now, however you view magic, whether you have the classic view of the supernatural, that's a phrase that I, uh, you know, the, the concept of the supernatural, I don't like that concept because, and the way it's used. Or whether you think, you know, it's, it's just a psychodrama and nothing else. However you see it, this metaphorical connection between your inner world and the outer world, that is very much the basis of magic. And I talked about conceptual and aesthetical metaphors. And this is, this is why in rit- ritual is so theatrical and so aesthetical, because it's, it's through playing around with structures that you get into either the ritualistic ecstasy or into making that mental connection between the inner and the outer. There's much more I could say, obviously, and maybe I should have said much more, uh, but I'm going to leave it at that. Um, I think, I think, I think I, I like having this one being shorter than the others, and um, I definitely want you guys to, as always, leave your thoughts in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube or BitChute, and um, yeah, let me know what you think. Uh, I have some technical stuff. I have now put my podcast also on uh, audio-only platforms. So you can find it on SoundCloud, uh, where I have an account, and then uh, you can also find it uh, on uh, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, you know, stuff like that. Um, So, yeah, uh, now you can also, uh, you know, uh, enjoy (laughs) the podcast in audio-only format. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, especially on this one, I'd love some uh, feedback, exactly because it's it's a huge topic and a small episode. So, thank you, thank you for being uh, with me on this uh, intentional train of thought. Bye, guys. <laughs>